Although there is discussion about the matter, we're going to assume the majority opinion that Midoraisa, all one needs to do before Pesach is bittel chomets, nullifying all of his chomets, declaring that all of the chomets that he owns he considers to be dust of the earth, he considers it to be nothing and not owned by him. Midoraisa, that's all one needs to do. However, Midrabbanon, he also needs to destroy the chomets and make sure that he doesn't actually own any of it physically. Now, because that part is only Midrabbanon, there are certain situations in which that part does not need to be done. For example, if it comes in conflict with another mitzvah, such as one who goes on Erev Pesach in order to slaughter his carbon Pesach. So he's on the way to doing that mitzvah already. Or to give his son a bris milah. Or to eat a meal of when he gets engaged at his future father-in-law's house. This was a mitzvah. So the meal there was considered a sudas mitzvah, a meal which is eaten as part of a mitzvah. And of course, since he was the one who got engaged, and we're talking about halachic engagement, known as kedushin or erusin, which already from that point means that she's forbidden to marry anyone else. And the custom was that they would have a feast, which was a sudas mitzvah, at the house of the bride's father. Be as it may, this person is on the way to doing a certain mitzvah. He remembers, he realizes that he has chomet in his house still, which he did not destroy. So now it depends. Im if he is able to return back to his house, destroy the chomets, and then return back to this mitzvah of slaughtering his current Pesach or giving his son a bris milah or of eating at this sudas mitzvah, then he should go back, he needs to go back and destroy the chomets, fulfill that mitzvah midirah bonon, and then go back to his mitzvah. Vim lav, but if not, if by going back he will lose out on the other mitzvah, so in this case, since going back is only midirah bonon, it's enough that he just nullifies it in his heart and does bittel chomets, he doesn't have to do beer chomets, which is the actual physical destroying of the chomets. Now what happens if Lahatsman Agaius, he is on the way to save people from an enemy army, when a nohar, or from a river, if a river caused a flood, or when a listem, or from bandits, when a lake, or from a fire, when a from a wall or a building which fell down, the point is he's going and he's on the way to saving people's lives. So in that case, even if he thinks that he might be able to go back and then come back and still save their lives, nevertheless, we don't take any risks over here, Yevatel Belibay, he should just do bittel in his heart, bittel believe, nullifying the chomets by making that declaration, but he does not need to and he should not go back, rather he should go and save the people's lives. Now the last example of the Mishnah talks about Eruvetachumin. Now what exactly is Eruvetachumin? So on Shabbos it is forbidden for somebody to travel further than 2,000 Amas from his city or wherever he is living for Shabbos. He can only travel 2,000 Amas in every direction from the edge of the city. And the way that works is that he has a Mokrimashavisa, a place where he's considered to be living, so if he's inside a city, then we consider the entire city as his place of living. And then from the edge of his Mokamashavisa, in this case from the edge of the city, he has 2,000 Amas in every direction. Now, Eribetochumen is where before Shabbos, one takes food to another location, let's say outside of the city. Or alternatively, he could go there himself and be there as Shabbos comes in. The point is, if either he or his food is there as Shabbos comes in, then that defines his Mokamashavisa. So it could be that he's really sleeping in the city even. But if he makes that Eribe Tuchumen where he puts food there and he puts significant things over there, so that makes that place his Mokamashavisa, which means that he will then have 2,000 Amas in every direction from that point and not from the point of his city. So on the one hand, he could gain a lot of distance in that direction. Let's say, for example, someone put their area over the edge of 2,000 Amas to the east side of the city. So that means that he can now travel 4,000 Amas from the edge of the city 
in the eastward direction, and that would all be within 2,000 amas of his Makam Shavisa, but he would not be able to travel to the west side of the city, because that is now away, it's further than 2,000 amas from his Makam Shavisa. Being as it may, the Mishnah says, Velishpo Shavis one who goes in order to create a new Makam Shavisa, but not for the sake of a mitzvah. Meaning on Erev Pesach, he is traveling, let's say, to the edge of his 2,000 amas, Techum. Techum is the name for the 2,000 amas limit, which one can travel on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So let's say he travels to near to the edge of his Techum on Erev Pesach, so that he will be there as Yom Tov comes in. So since he's not doing it for the sake of a mitzvah, Yachzer Miyad, if he remembers that he has Chomit in his house, then he has to return to his house immediately, because this is not for the sake of a mitzvah. But if he was making the Erev for the sake of a mitzvah, for example, he had to go to comfort mourners 3,000 3, amas away from the city. So he needs to make an Erev in order to do so. So if it's already for the sake of a mitzvah, then he needs to work out whether he's got enough time to go back and destroy the Chomits and come back, or whether he does not have enough time, in which case he should just do Bittal believe by nullifying it and declaring it like nothing, like dust of the earth, which really is enough on a mid-eraisa level. Mishnechetz, the Mishnah goes slightly sidetracked and tells us that v'chein, and similarly, somebody who left Yerushalayim, and he realizes that he has in his hand, he took out of Yerushalayim, carbon meat. When it comes to carbonus, there are two main categories, kotshe kotshim and kotshim kalim. Kotshe kotshim have to be eaten within the Beis HaMikdash, Whereas Kodshim Kalim have to be eaten within Yerushalayim. So if he mistakenly took out Kodshim Kalim from Yerushalayim, the halach is that it has to be burnt. He can't eat it anymore. The question is, where does he need to burn it? Because it's learned from Pesukim that in general one needs to burn it also within the walls of Yerushalayim. Just like you could only eat it within the walls of Yerushalayim, so too when it comes to burning it, that has to be done within Yerushalayim. However, if he, let's say he's returned home already, if he's ages away from Yerushalayim, then he is certainly not obligated to go back and burn it in Yerushalayim. So how far away does he need to be from Yerushalayim not to have to go back and burn it inside of Yerushalayim? So the mission says, If he's already passed the place called Tzofim, that's really the furthest place where you can see the base Hamikdash. So from Mkoma, then he can burn it in his place where he is there. But if not, if he's still within um, from Hartzofim, He's nearer than that to the Beis HaMikdash, then Chayzer is safe in Abira. He needs to go back and burn it, literally in front of the Beis HaMikdash, meaning in the Beis HaMikdash, from the wood which is on the Mizbeach surface. The point is, you need to burn it within Yerushalayim, and since you're burning it because it became invalid, it left a designated place, you're allowed to burn it on the Mizbeach itself. You could use your own wood and burn it elsewhere, as long as it's within Yerushalayim. But if you don't want to get wood yourself, then you would use the Mizbeach's wood on the Mizbeach. Asks the Mishnah of Ad Kamahin Chayzrin. After how much food, after how much Chomets does there need to be to require one to go back to his house to destroy the Chomets? Or in the case of our Mishnah, how much of the carbon meat does he need to have in his hand to necessitate him to go back and burn it, burn it within Yerushalayim? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says there was a Bikabetza, both in this case and this case, both the Chomets case and the carbon case, the minimum amount is the kabetz or the size of an egg. Rabbi Huda Miyoda says there was a bekazayas. In both cases, the minimum amount of food that needs to be is the size of an olive, which is less than the size of an egg. There's different amounts which generally have halachic significance. When it comes to the karbonis, so then the minimum amount is a kazayas, the size of an olive. The halachas of taking carbon, carbon meat outside of Yerushalayim are very severe. But when it comes to going back for the chametz, you only need to go back if there is at least the size of an egg of the chametz. Because remember, the whole requirement to go back and destroy it physically is only midrabanon. 
So he needs to do so if there's at least a kibitza of food in his house. The first Mishnah of this Perek is related to Psachim, whereas pretty much the rest of the Perek goes sidetracked to discuss different customs and following the rule of Minhagamakim, of the custom of the place that one does whatever the custom of that place is to do. And so the example which the Mishnah gives for Psachim is Makim Shnagulasis Blinacha, a place where the custom was to permit doing work, but Ari Psachim, on Erev Pesach, the day before Pesach begins. So that's the same day as the Korban Pesach is brought, Ad Chatzais until midday. So the Mishnah implies that after midday on Erev Pesach, it was forbidden Midrabon on everywhere to work. But in terms of working in the day before midday, so there are some places which permitted it, some places which did not permit it. So in a place where the custom was to permit it, Oisin, the one is allowed to do work before midday on Erev Pesach. And a place where the minhag was not to do malacha even before midday on Erev Pesach. Einoisin, it is forbidden to do work over there before midday on Erev Pesach. Now what happens if if somebody goes from a place where the minhag is to do work on Erev Pesach before midday, to a place where they forbid doing work before midday. Let's say you live in one place for the first half of your life, and you, then you move to another place, or if you just happen to be there for Erev Pesach, so if you do that, or the opposite, if you go from a place where they don't do work to a place where they do do work, says the Mishnah, we place upon him the stringencies of the place where he left, and the stringencies of the place where he went. So meaning, if either of the cities, were, their custom was to forbid the work, then we are strict and we forbid him to do so. And the Mishnah concludes, One should not change from what the people in that place do, because of Machlokes, if he starts doing differently to everybody else, he can cause arguments. And we're going to understand that this part of the Mishnah is only referring to a case where somebody travels from a place where he is allowed to do something, where the custom is to be lenient, to a place where they are more strict. So in that case, we say, follow the minhag of the place. But as the mission just said, if it was the opposite, then he should actually follow the minhag of the place where he was originally, since the halachas are more strict in the place where he was originally. And in that case, he wouldn't end up doing differently to the people of the city where he is right now. But this rule of not changing from the minhag of the place, that we're going to understand is only if it is not a leniency. Although the Gemara does bring an alternative interpretation as well. Mishnah Beis, another example of following the custom of the place, or taking the stringencies of two different places. And this example refers to Shemitah, which is once every seven years, when it is forbidden to work the land in Eretz Yisrael. And the halacha is that any produce which grows during the Shemitah year, even if one didn't work the land, but it grew by itself, one is only allowed to eat that food for as long as that food is still available in the fields for animals to eat. It's out of Pesukim, that as long as animals which are roaming around will find some of that produce still in the field, so human beings are allowed to continue eating it in the house. But once that season has ended, and that produce is no longer found in the fields, then there is a mitzvah of Biur, which refers to removing and declaring odorless that produce which he has in his house. Now in Meseches Shvias, it is taught that Eretz Yisrael is split into three different areas, and so if, let's say, all of the, a particular produce is no longer found in a particular area of Eretz Yisrael, in one of the three areas, so then the Mitzvah Biel would apply in that entire area. Now what happens is the Mishnah Karitzibay is a similar case, a similar example of following the custom of the place, or taking on the stringencies of either place. 
Hamulich pays Shvias, one who brings Shvita produce, then Kaimshe Kolu from a area of Eretz Yisrael, from one of the three areas where it has been finished in the fields, and therefore the obligation of beer has come into effect. Lim Kaimshe Loikolu to a place in Eretz Yisrael where it has not yet finished and, and gone from the field. Or the opposite, Lim Kaimshe Loikolu, Lim Kaimshe Kolu. From a place where it has not been finished in the field to a place where it has, and therefore to a place where the chiyuv of biur has begun. So as Mishnah once again, he needs to take the stringencies of either place. So in either of the two above cases, chayv levayer, he will be obligated in biur. Now there is a machlekes in Masechet about somebody who pickles a few different vegetables together, such that each vegetable absorbs the taste of the other ones as well. And there are different types of vegetables, which means that each vegetable has a different time for beer. So the question arises that when one of the vegetables' beer time arrives, are all of the vegetables considered obligated in beer because they all absorb the taste of that vegetable as well? Or is only that vegetable itself obligated in beer? Or perhaps there's a third opinion there as well, which says that even that vegetable is not obligated in beer, because that vegetable also absorbed from the other vegetables whose beer time has not yet arrived. And only something which is 100% fully liable to beer needs to be gotten rid of. Be it as it may, the opinion which we just mentioned, the Tanakama holds that there is no obligation of beer on any of the vegetables. Until the beer time has come for all of them, there's no obligation of beer. But Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, he follows another one of the opinions over there, which is that you only need to get rid of that vegetable itself. Omim lo, we say to him, say, go out, v'hove lochaf ata, and bring for yourself also. Meaning, go and look and see if there's any of that vegetable left in the field. And since there isn't, you need to get rid of this as well. But you do not need to get rid of the other vegetables because they themselves, their beer time has not yet arrived.